now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Susie Sawyer. During Susie's near-death experience, she laid in the arms of God, and today we're going to learn about it. Susie, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. As you may or may not know, my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. So if you don't mind, can we start on the day yours happened? Yes. This was in uh, 1997, and I had had a um, pretty significant surgery, abdominal surgery. And as a result of that, um, and it was at the VA hospital in Los Angeles, and as a result of that, I developed sepsis. And uh, I became very ill, and they had taken my NG tube out, and I started developing a fever, and my heart was beating very fast, I think 160 beats a minute, and I was diagnosed with sepsis. I I had a whole crowd around my bed, and um, I was in the hospital for about three weeks. And at that point, I was just out of a short and severe marriage, and I was newly divorced. And um, at some point during that period, because they had told my family that I could very well die, easily die at any moment, and to start preparing for my potential death. But I did not know this. I was not aware of it. Um, So I um, was laying in my bed. And it was about one o'clock in the afternoon, and I had uh, been in the either ICU was full up, so I was in telemetry. They um, left me in my bed there at, at some point, and I began to sense that my room was filled with light. And in that hospital, the rooms, especially the one that I was in, had no natural sunlight coming in the room. It was off of an alcove. So it was kind of dark and dingy in there. And I was the only one in that room. Um, But I began to sense clouds of light in my room, and I felt like there was angels in my room. And um, I kind of slapped myself on the face, like as to what I was experiencing All of a sudden, after experiencing this for a little bit, I slipped out of my body. And I I didn't look back at myself, but I went into the next room to check on the man that was in in the bed next door. Because right after surgery, the next day, they'd gotten me up and I kind of looked in there as I hobbled along. And uh, I saw that he was elderly and very ill. And I I saw him and I thought, well, he's going to be okay. And as it turned out, he was okay. He died. He passed away. But that was actually a good thing for him. Um, But anyways, at that point, then I found myself on a grassy slope. I didn't go through a tunnel. Um, But I found myself on a grassy slope with a lot of family members and uh, people that knew me. I wasn't sure of who all they were. But it was a huge crowd, and they were waiting for me. And um, we had a little reunion. But the next thing that I know is I was actually being cradled in the arms of God. And God wasn't as a man or a person, but 
he was a great being of light, a spirit. Excuse me, I've got dry mouth. And he didn't, he took on, it was a very large being. He took on the form of a human, but without any features. It was just light and and spirit. And I laid in, in these arms and he held me. And I was told and shown um, that, and, and I felt such immense love coming from him that I, I, it was very profound. I, there's no human words. There's no language to say how that was and what it felt like. Um, but I suddenly realized how loved that I was. And he had a message and he made it very clear. And he said, there is nothing you have to do and there's nowhere you can go and to earn or deserve this love, but that you come from me and wherever you go, you're still a part of me and you cannot escape this love. You can never get away from it. You're profoundly loved and you don't have to earn it. Um, and I feel like I'm not doing it justice as to how it actually was, but um, I realized, you know, cause I think his, that's always been the message that I've gotten is not having to earn it. And I think, you know, that had been my message as a product of the fifties and sixties, you know, having to, and being female and having and in religion that um, we, there was a lot of shame that was taught and, and I really feel that that's one of the lowest human emotions, but um, I was showing that how loved that I was. Um, I found myself over a, a period between one in the afternoon and six in the evening. I went back and forth between God's arms in my hospital bed. And I find myself back in the room again. And the clouds of light were still there in my room and the angels. And, and then I would go back to God's arms again. And I, there was all these angels that surrounded us hanging off in the distance and they were singing and reciting poetry. Now I like to write and I've written poetry since I was a child and won some awards and, uh, the poetry was beautiful. I don't remember any of it, though. I remember that it was very beautiful singing. And um, there was clouds of light where I was at, light and like blue, blue sky. And um, at one point when I came back, there was, um, uh, I was brought between or to uh, this council of about three individuals. I don't exactly know who they were, but I wanted to stay. And I was told it's not your time and you must go back, but there's something you have to do. And when you complete that, you can come back again. You can come home. And um, I argued for a while with them, but um, it was just, they told me that what it was that I had to do, but that I would forget it when I got back. And um, so at this point, I don't remember what it was. And I kind of have the realization that 
um, I had to work this out. This, um, if I knew what it was, it would upset the reason that I was here on, on this earth, you know? And so, um, anyways, I came back, uh, I found myself back in my room and in my body again, about 6 PM. And I was very emotional. Um, the doctor came in my room and I was crying and I said, I apologized. And I had had no way of knowing that I was actually near death because I was never told, but obviously I found out during this experience. And I said, I am so sorry. And she says, for what? And I said, because you've worked so hard to save my life. And I so appreciate it. And you've, you know, I'm sorry for putting you through so much trouble. And she said, no, no. She says, on the contrary. She said, you are a survivor. She says, most people in your position just give up and die. And she said, we come in here. The doctors are amazed when they come in here because you're in here singing. And I'm not aware that I did that. So, um, I just remember how difficult the whole experience was, apart from the near death of being so horrifically ill. Um, and uh, so that was that was pretty much my experience. It's it's not long and involved, except that the fact that I was back and forth. I have no idea while I was going through this uh, what was going on in my room or in the hospital, or on my floor, or anything. I, who was in my room or out of my room or what happened. And so um, that was pretty much what I experienced. Um, and I, I feel that the experience, the NDE that I had for me personally it wasn't the be all end all of things. It was a course correction for me. And I think because I had prior to that, well, I actually, prior to that, I had, I was kind of newly interested. I'd come out of um, a long history growing up in um, a evangel an evangelic uh, religion. And then I'd left that and converted to Judaism and um, had worked on immigrating to Israel at that point. Um, I'd had quite a history. So I've always, I guess, been a seeker of the light and been willing to do the work to change. So um, this was one step along the way that I could have no doubt. And because I was always so hard on myself this removed a lot of that. And I still have had to work on, on that to this day. Your life, I don't think that, at least for me, that my life miraculously changed, except that for the next six months after my experience, uh, I could look at a flower and become that flower. I, I, almost, I would fall in it and I could, I, it would speak to me. And I could be driving down the road and the sky would be rip, the clouds would be rippling across with brilliant colors from 
fuchsia to green to gold to blue to aqua, just like a light show. And I think to myself, how am I, how am I expected to drive <laughs> watching the sky like this? And I, I felt like I was, you know, part of the clouds and part of the light for the next six months afterwards. So um, I, you know, took that experience and, and used it. I think I, at this point, I'm not involved in any particular religion because I feel like the universe is much larger than any one religion can offer. Um, I don't believe in a one size fits all. I think we are all each individually unique. And I don't think that there's any right or wrong. So um, as far as um, it's all love, everything is love and we have come from it and we will return to it. And we, we walk in it while we're here, whether we're aware of it or not. Everything is made. And what we do with it is our choice. You know, oftentimes, um, I think the thing is, as far as judgment goes, or um, it's basically acceptance of what is and allowing. And, and that, I think the thing I've learned because um, I have had, many years of uh, just prior to that surgery um, of pro- issues. And I was in the military and exposed to a lot of chemicals. And uh, that's created a lot of problems over the years with my health. So uh, I've been in and, out of the, uh, in and out of the hospitals and surgeries. And I have been profoundly... Um, protected. I'm, I'm very aware of that. I feel in some instances that I've led, led a charmed life. Um, so um, made aware of that, that I just have to ask for the help. And it's right there. And I feel um, that those forces, protective forces, I feel God being right there with me all the time. And I'm always seen. And that was that is the thing that I would say is you're never alone, um, that you're always seen, always loved, and all we have to do is reach out for help and um, ask for it. And so um, that is pretty much, um, uh, you know, what I would have to say. Well, thank you for sharing your experience with us, Susie. Do you recall what the angels looked like? They were, um, I did, I did, they were light in white, they white, white robes, but the glow was so bright that I couldn't make out distinct features. And I think, um, and the same with God, that there was so much light that you can't see their faces. You know, I couldn't see, um, especially in my room. Um, but I was, I was very aware, laying in the arms of God, that they were there and singing. And um, they were off at a little distance from us. So I, I don't remember that there was any ground, um, but just that I was 
in the arms of God mm. and that I was profoundly loved. Do you recall if they were singing songs or just singing yep. melodies? They were, um, they were singing poetry is what they were doing. Mm. They were singing poetic songs. Mm. And I've had an experience with them before and hearing them and singing uh, many years ago. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't at that point, it wasn't a language that I understood, but I heard it for about two hours. Um, both a, a girlfriend of mine and both of us heard it. We were driving across the desert at night and it was dark and we were both quiet. I had my head against the window. She was driving and I heard, we both heard music from the back seat singing and it was so indescribable and so beautiful um and in, we didn't understand what was being sung exactly except that we felt that you know we were they were traveling with us and singing and um we had come from a um a, a conference a spiritual conference and so this was not that though this time i did understand it but I don't remember what, what they said, exactly what they sang. And at the time I was hearing it, I kept thinking, wishing I could write it down. Because it was so beautiful. After receiving God's love and learning that you get to receive it without having to earn it, how did that change you? It's taken a long time, I have to say. Um, it, didn't, it didn't come easy for me. There was still a lot of self-judgment, and it's not been until probably my 60s that I've really learned to accept myself um, not and not judge so harshly. And I think, um, you know, that, uh, well... Let's say I'm having a little brain fart here. <laughs> but um, it's taken a long time to really um, work through a lot of the trauma that I had, you know, prior to uh, the surgery and even after the surgery. Um, you know, I've had a lot of a lot of stuff happen in my life. It's been a really crazy life. And I'm definitely a survivor. I've come to learn that and appreciate myself. And I think, you know, I had to go through a lot to, um, and to get through this, um, and let all that trauma that was in my body surface. And it's always an on ongoing process. I, I think we're not done until the last moment of our lives. We're always here, um, you know, processing things and things come to the surface in layers and maybe things aren't done all at once as far as healing goes. So for me, um, you know, I had a lot of a lifetime of PTSD and uh, because of this, um, it set me on a different path of healing and turning up every rock that I could to really learn how to fall in love with myself and to realize and to recognize that um, 
when I look back at my life that um, I am, I fell in love with myself because everything I did was out of survivor mode. There, I didn't have the tools in my, ch- my chest to work with. And, and once I, re- I got those tools, you know, you, you know, and I probably, I have a, I have a, um, as a writer, I have a poem probably that explains it a lot better than um, I'm, I can relate right here. So, um, I don't sh- know. You want to share the poem with us? Yes. Yes. Let's see. It's called Your Life by Heart. And it's not too long. When you've learned to lighten up on yourself, learned compassion and kindness, you grieve for the years the locust has eaten. When you were so unjustly hard on yourself, when you looked in the mirror or at your life, when kindness arrives at your door, you look back at the old photos and realize there was nothing wrong with me. And anything that appeared to be out of place was merely merely fear and a deficit of love towards yourself playing itself out in the world. When kindness arrives, you fall in love, maybe for the first time. The world is not our personal yardstick by which we measure ourselves. We will always come up short when we do. It is by the heart we see ourselves rightly, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Stay close to your heart. When hope or life feels spare, remember to return again and again. Your heart is the book by which you rightly read your life. Your poem has a great message. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you. Let me ask you this. Did you happen to tell the doctor that you had an NDE? No, I did not. No. Have you told any of your family or friends? Yes, I have. I Yeah, it's pretty widely known. And, uh, you know, I wasn't ready to talk about it right away afterwards. And, but shortly afterwards, I remember that I did. I had, I was in a group uh, of women we met weekly and it took me a long time to recover after this. I, I'm still suffering some of the uh, consequences of that um, surgery to this day. But, um, you know, I did, I did talk about it and it has been, I've had a lot of people that have been really excited to hear it, you know, and I think it's helped a lot of people. So um yeah I have I have told a lot of people and I've written about it too as well. Have you noticed that you gained any abilities from your experience like clairvoyance or or clairaudience or anything? Um I intuitively know things before they happen. Um you know I think you know I have dreams uh, pre, I, they are uh, foretelling dreams before something happens at, ta- at times, warning dreams or just, um, and actually I even had a dream before this happened, before I had this experience uh, about six months prior, which was a warning dream. And, um, 
you know, and, and the doctor's response um, to it is just, so, but yeah, I have had a lot, I've, I do have a lot of dreams and um, I think, uh, you know, I, I just know things uh, usually if there's a question about something, the answer comes right away to me. I, I, I intuit it either yes or no. And I, sometimes I don't want to, uh, the answer to be what it is, but I've become, I've come more and more to accept things on their own terms, you know, to, and to listen and to be able to speak to people on one, one to one in a way that I always want to. And I think the thing, the gift that it came, that came to me through this was I would hear people talk with so much wisdom and ability to speak in a way that others could hear it and uh, it would help their lives. And, and I think that was something that I gained through this, that there was, there's a wisdom that um, where, you know, of uh, feeling like I'm part of the universe and that universal wisdom to some degree, to some small degree, comes through me. And uh, yes, so I, I wouldn't say, I guess you would, that would probably be more um, maybe clairvoyance and a little bit of clairaudience. You mentioned earlier that you considered your NDE like a course correction. Yeah. So how have you corrected your course? Uh, it put me on the path that I'm on now because up to that point, I was um, looking for more traditional means by which to save my life. And I realized, and it was a path of learning to accept myself and not that I am my own um, authority and not some book or group of people, but that to set the boundaries in my life and that so that I could take care of myself, be self-nurturing, you know, that I, um, uh, I, in other words, that I didn't, it wasn't mine to save the world. And that, that, because that's something that I always tried to do was to save other people, even if they wanted, didn't want to be saved. <laughs> so, but learning to know the difference. You know, to recognize, to let let go that which is not mine and only pick up that which is given to me to have or do or be and to know the difference. So um, because I made myself sick with it, trying to take care of other people and I don't do that anymore uh, to be able to say what I mean and set boundaries so that's been a huge thing for me, I believe. And I, I, I see it as a connection right back. I think when you fall in love with yourself, you value uh, the authority that's been given to you over your own life, you know, and, and the trust, my trust in God that I'm protected, you know, and I only have to speak up, you know, and, you know, um, honor which, that which comes through me and follow through. I know you mentioned that you don't know what your life's mission or what's not complete for you, but do you have any guess what that may be? 
Well, since I was a small child, the thing that I wanted to do and always dreamt of doing was writing. I wanted to be a poet and a writer. Uh, you know, at that age, I was told this is not something that you can do. I, I got in a lot of trouble for writing. Uh, there was a lot of shame involved for the stories I wrote. And uh, so I, I, I didn't have the confidence in myself to pursue that, although I did keep writing. So, um, you know, my feeling was I always saw myself writing books and uh, writing poetry. Um, but I didn't really pick up that path as a product of, of the 50s. And, uh, you know, what will the neighbors think? <laughs> that sort of mentality. I grew up with, I cut my teeth on that. <laughs> so um, I have learned uh, I think, you know, how to heal um, in my own, in my own way, you know, um, rather unorthodox and trust myself and trust my relationship with God and trust the, the love that I am given. It's been a long road. And I think part of the uh, interruption that came has come between me and whatever it is I'm to do. And I, I don't, I accept this. It took me a long time because I used to, um, I would beat myself up because I didn't know exactly what it was I was supposed to do. But I realized, I recognize over the years of the things that I've been through, that was my life. But I'm not those stories. You know, those are the things that got me to this point. You know, and I think sometimes in our, our age, as we age, that we're here for a different purpose. It, we're to be wisdom keepers. And um, so that I feel has been given to me. Um, you know, I, I feel that maybe my journey, um, I'm not yet complete, obviously, but that is the place that I am at this point and that I'm further heading into. And in, in order to be able to share that wisdom with others, you know, if, you know, when the time is right and through my writing. And I do blog, I have a blog. So I have shared a lot of it through that as well. So, um, you know, uh, there's been a lot of, my, my, it's gone a lot, my poetry has gone a lot of places. And, uh, you know, it's done things that I, you know, I have no idea, but it's come back to me. And I, I've sold cards. I had my own line of greeting cards with my poetry and framed. And I used to do art fairs and, and people would um, stop at my booth and walk away with armfuls of it. So I start crying when they read it. So I know that it has touched people. You know, um, but I feel it's a gift from God. You know, I'm only the conduit. So if I don't do it, you know, I somebody else will pick it up. And I don't know exactly what it is that I'm. I like I said, I didn't wasn't. I was told what my purpose was, but I don't remember what it is. And and I think I'm. I'm going. I have gone through this process of. Healing, you know, this has been my journey. 
is healing. But that's not my life. I'm not that story. I am this blazing light inside my core. So I don't know if I'm making any sense right now. Um, but, you know, this is the best way that I can say it right now. During your NDE, you said that you saw family members. Were they yes. deceased family members? Yes, they were deceased family members. And there was people I don't, I'm not sure it could have been from past lives or ancestors. Um, but, you know, I did see um, there were some people there. Um, I believe that, you know, I've seen my dad on the other side because he, he passed about 10 years before I had my NDE. So I saw him and I saw grandparents and that were there. And then there was a crowd of people behind them that I don't, I don't know who they were. I didn't recognize them. Initially, after you came back, were you certain that you had an NDE or were you doubting it? I was certain at the time. Yes, I was certain. Have you had any negative after effects from your NDE? Mm, no, no, I haven't. Um, it has been, uh, um, uh, it has been basically just a steady climb. Um, I mean, I haven't had any negative effects from the NDE itself. I can say that, you know, other than doubters, <laughs> there are people out there that are very skeptical about that sort of thing. <laughs> What inspires you about your NDE? The love. The overwhelming, immense love that I felt. That, And I think that was the most profound thing about it. That amazing, all-consuming love. Um, and that it was the ac- absolute source, the quintessential source of all things. And it, it's what knits everything together. And without it, everything would cease to be. Do you think that we could experience that amount of love in this 3D realm? I think that those moments a lot of time, from my experience and others, is that they come unbidden. A lot of times we don't ask for them, but all of a sudden there they are. They're In a sense, they're like uh, awakenings. Sometimes when life gets too hard, or you're least expecting it. I've always found it to be that way. When you're least expecting it, it comes. And you have some experience that um, is very profound and otherworldly a lot of times that sets you up onto a higher path. And um, so, yes, I do think that we can, but... Um, and 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 there, I'm sure there. I've had experiences, you know, through meditation, and you know, I've been meditating for about, you know, 25 years or so, and um, it's definitely doable. But I think my most uh, profound experiences, looking back, been the ones that have come to me and found me. I wasn't looking for that. You know, even though I've had a lot of 
uplifting experiences uh, through other means too. You know, when it upset me on a, on a higher ground. Do you fear death at all at this point? No, I do not. No. What would you say to people who have lost loved ones and they're curious if their loved ones are okay on the other side? I try to comfort. I, you know, um, I'm careful um, because grief can be tricky. But I I probably, I just lost a, a, somebody that I love like a couple weeks ago. And I grieved very hard. I, I, I still cry, you know, over it. And it was very sudden, wasn't expecting it. And, um, but at the same time, even though he is not here, I know that, and he did not believe, he was very scientific minded and, and really didn't, uh, you know, he probably thought a lot of things that I said were more woo woo, but um, I know he's there. And I'm not worried. And I have this, um, this knowledge that I'm going to see him again. And I've even said it, you know, when I, it's my time, he will be there waiting with his arms outstretched and laughing. And so um, I'm very, I'm very much at peace. And I try to convey that message to others. That even though they're not here with you and we miss them terribly, it's not the end. And you will be together again. You know, this is this is but a brief life, you know, and um, but to offer comfort and compassion at the same time and hope, you know, and and and, and recognition of the loss. I first want to offer my condolences for your loss. Thank you. And if you don't mind me asking, did you grieve because you? it's like you lost this companion that was with you and now the person's gone and you're alone? Um, I grieved and he was, he was a very dear friend. You know, he was my partner in crime. And we were just so much laughter between us and hugs and, you know, I love you. I love yous. And he, he was just a really dear, dear friend. We spent a lot of time together over the years and I grieved because of the sudden passing, the unexpectedness of it. Although for probably a couple of months prior to that, I had this feeling of death around me and I felt like somebody was going to die. I didn't know if it pertained to me or somebody else. And I can, a lot of times I don't recognize things till afterwards. And I realize Except that I, I do remember saying to people, you know, like my daughter, that, um, you know, I felt like somebody was going to die. You know, there's death in the air. And not knowing it was him, except that he hadn't been feeling good for a couple of months. So, um, you know, I grieve for my own loss more than anything because I know that he's okay. You know, he's fine absolutely fine it's we living who are left behind that mourn the loss which is entirely appropriate i feel an emptiness in my there's a hole you know like so 
change in the air. When you first came back, were you depressed at all because you were in this amazing place and now you're back here in your body and back on earth? Yes, there was some depression. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't want to come back. I did not. So, um, you know, I sometimes it's easy to, uh, you have to want your life. You have to choose your life. And despite whatever happens or in spite of, you know, there are times where it becomes our time and it's time to go. And there's there are exit points in life where you can um, choose something will happen and you can make a choice whether you're going to go or stay. And I've had a number of those experiences myself. And I always at the last minute have chose to stay mm. and because I wanted to finish what I started. I think maybe I, I overpacked my life. Mm-hmm. To a large degree to get through stuff <laughs> I because I've always said I'm not coming back again mm-hmm. uh, so you know it's it's been very tumultuous you know um, but I don't regret any of it I have absolutely zero regrets for my life I have so much has been forgiven and realizing that whatever happened to me or whatever decisions I made at the time it was only an act of um, of surviving it was what I knew to do as a survivor, because that's what I am. And and it, the, the trick was to learn to go from surviving to thriving, where you make choices about your own life. And I remember uh, a few years ago, I was laying on the gurney in the VA hospital, and I was in a great deal of pain, and I didn't know what was happening, and I was crying and crying. And I thought to myself, um... You know, I had become so discouraged with everything I'd been experiencing. And I realized what we don't know how we're going to act when we face death. Because sometimes we think, oh, I, I do. I really don't want my life anymore for whatever reason. If you've got depression or mental issues or life circumstances. And we think we don't value our lives. But we don't know what's around the corner. Because the next the next second could change your life completely. You know, for every valley, there's a mountain. Every mountain, there's a valley. And it, but they both play out. So it's learning to be in those places with complete acceptance as they are, knowing things will change. And we have no idea what's coming next. And so to make a decision to end your life, You know, in some cases, I do understand it when the suffering becomes too unbearable through illness or or otherwise. But to hold on to my life, to value it, to cherish it, uh, to say that it means something, whether I, whether I, at times, even when I don't necessarily think so, you know, it's, it's gotten too hard. And I made a decision. I thought, well, I was laying on that gurney and I thought about my daughter and, I, and she was the one that came to me. And I realized that if I die, I cannot be here to put my arms around her. I can't tell somebody I love them that they can automatically hear me and, and know and feel my love directly. And how frustrating that would be. Um, you know, my daughter is, she's an only child and says, mom, you can't die. You've got to stay because 
you know, I don't have any brothers or sisters. And once you and dad are gone, that's it. I'm all alone. So I'm kind of, I have to be here. <laughs> but, um, you know, I realized that mainly because in order to show my love um, and to let somebody know how much I love them in the physical, I need my physicality. I need my body to do that with. I need my mouth, my voice, you know, to affect change. It's much easier to affect change when you're in your body than when you're not. It takes a lot longer. The things that you maybe failed to do in your lifetime, if when you get to the end of your life and, and there's regrets. Um, so you, I didn't really live my life out in the way that I needed to. You know, I missed out. And uh, I missed the love I could have had and the things I could have done. And so, you know, it takes a lot longer to correct things on the other side. So I want to finish everything that I came here to do before I go home. You mentioned earlier that you have a blog. If somebody wants to check it out, how do they find it? It's under DearMiracle.com. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and just chat with you or ask you questions. Are you open to that? And if so, how should they do that? They could contact me if they wanted to uh, leave a message on my pod or my uh, blog. Um, there, There's places, you know, the last thing that I wrote, they could leave a message there. Uh, they could uh, actually email me under um, the way of angels at gmail.com. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I can. It's something, a little thing that I wrote, very short. Relax, nothing is under control. Creation and destruction travel in pairs. Better to stop trying to manage the universe and know that whatever is happening, its function is to find what cannot be destroyed, to find what is eternal and indelible in you. Thank you for that message. And Susie, thank you for being my guest this evening. I really wish you the best. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And have a wonderful evening. You too. Good night. Good night. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.